Um, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania today. Okay, you're out in Philly. All right, and is it what? How how's weather doing there? We've had a couple nice days here. I, I guess I didn't say, but my background never changes. Waukesha, Wisconsin, over by Milwaukee. We've had a couple mm -hmm. nice days, and we're about to we're about to hit the dip. Where are you at? Um, I think we're about to get out of it. Um, we were in the 20s the last couple of days, which was not fun, um, but it's supposed to be okay. 60 today, so <laughs> we'll see. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so you had the dip. I, I suppose our weather is probably making its way. It's making its way over there. All right. Are you yeah. going to go outside today? <laughs> um, well, I, I'm fortunate enough that I do have a dog, and so I have an excuse to go out. Um, you know, so yeah, we'll, uh, and it's Friday. Yeah, it's finally Friday, right? Thank God. Finally Friday. It's finally Friday, and it is the Friday before Thanksgiving. So yeah. I'm, I am, I'm always, I'm usually pretty happy in general, but I'm in a very, very happy mood today. So, okay. <laughs> so before we get into it, though, we always have this question. This one kind of does have something to do with the topic, though. I didn't do a complete winger in terms of the question, so I am interested to hear what you have to say. And for those of you watching, feel free to play along uh, in the comments. I'm curious where you're at. But for you, Christy, what is something you were coached on that when you first got that coaching, you just did not want to hear it? Just absolutely not interested in that feedback. <laughs> yeah. There's probably a lot of uh, uh, things like, over the years, to be quite candid. Um, so I, I think the, the, the first one, I'll tell you two. Uh, the first one's obvious, um, and, and then the second one wasn't obvious. Um, so uh, consistently throughout my career, because um, I was before I started Go Coach, I was a former HR executive, um, and it, the bull, you know, a uh, bull in a china shop was consistently used uh, on me, which, you know, <laughs> shocking, right? <laughs> um, and I knew that, but it was the way that it was being um, translated to me that that was really okay. bothering me. Um, you know, it, it's it's the words that, you know, especially for, you know, female leaders that, you know, drive us bonkers because th there could be a passive aggressiveness with it where, you know, I was told I was aggressive, um, where I told, you know, was told a, a lot of different things as far as like, you know, my style where I was trying to be assertive, you know, I mean, with the dozen executives. So I was just like, all right, so it's cool for, you know, this executive to throw an F-bomb in a meeting, but when I do it, I'm the bull in the China shop, right? Okay. So it was hard. Um, it, it, there, I felt that there was a lot of bias that was instilled with that. But it, it definitely, you know, it took me time to ring true because I, I started to look at it not from, like, you know, an overall view of what everybody, like, you know I mean, was giving me feedback on, but really started to individualize it. And so I would go into meetings, like, you know what I mean, and, understanding their preference and style of communication um, and before I, you know, you know, pushed in mine. And, and I think that that was very important because, you know, when I took into consideration how somebody else communicated, it balanced my communications with them um, and it did make things a, a lot easier. Um, so, you know, and it, it's still a work in progress. I mean, I just got told this the other day, but... <laughs> We, have, we all have triggers, right? <laughs> I know. I know the things that set us off. Okay. Okay. You, yeah. you said you had another one. You have another one too? Yeah. Um, okay. The one was pick and choose your battles, um, which, which I also, yeah, which I also knew, um, uh, you know, was something I needed to work on. But once again, it was the way that was outlined to me 
And um, basically it was just like, you know, quit poking the tiger. I'm like, quit poking the tiger. I'm just like, well, does anybody realize that the tiger's a jerk? And, you know, I mean, and we all should be poking him. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Poke so, me, whipping, right. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. So once again, like, you know, getting this cliche type of feedback, you know what I mean, that, that wasn't really translating to me, but once again, had to pull back the feedback and what it meant to situational conversations and, and, and how I was, you know, communicating, how I was positioning myself and the why behind it. Um, and, and that's where the Susan Scott fierce conversations model actually really helped me because like when it's came to, you know, pick and choose your battles, I, I realized that some of the battles that I was picking were stupid. Like, you know I mean? That they didn't mean anything. And like, you know, when you look at the decision tree and, you know, Susan Scott's fierce conversations, you gotta, you know, if you're going to go into battle, look at the root and the, the roots in the trunk, because that's, what's going to sustain the tree, not the leaves or the branches. They'll grow back. And so, I, you know, before I do go to, you know, and to something like I look at it, is it a core foundational issue or is it something that is, you know, not a big issue right now and eventually will, you know, fix itself. So I think that that's been important. Okay. All right. Well, I want to dig into this a little bit, but also, so mine, right. Just so you, so I, I, right. You, you shared yours, I'll share mine. Um, yeah. So mine was interesting. I, I still remember this because I got, I got coached on, you know, it was earlier in my career. And I got coached on the fact that I'd done this big executive presentation and I got the feedback that I was way too casual and way too just comfortable in front of this group. And I actually got really mad at first. I'm like, okay, that's my style. My style is more casual and things like that. And so again, the, the emotional reaction, this is what I think we were kind of getting at that emotional reaction because of the way it was delivered. It was kind of like I was told you need to you need to be more polished and you need to be more serious and take things more serious. And I got really upset. I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to happen because if you right. know me, that's not going to happen. But then again, once I cooled off a little bit, I started reflecting on that. I talked to some other people about it and I went, I, I guess I understand what you're saying, which is one adapt to your audience a little bit, recognize who your audience is. And it doesn't mean you have to become someone you're not, but just think about, be more intentional about the way you're doing that and think. And so then I was like, okay, okay, that's fair. And I, and I started to work on that. And again, is it still a work in progress? Sure. Are there times where, you know, I get a little too comfortable? Yeah. But I think it's one of those things that it was extremely valuable to get. Okay. So on the topic, we're t this is what we're talking about all day today or all day. Well, we probably could talk all day, honestly, but we're not going to, we're going to talk for another 50 minutes here on coaching and really what is the purpose of coaching? What's the benefit of it? Which we started talking about here by sharing our own stories, but then you are the CEO and founder of go coach. And I'm really curious because obviously we're talking about coaching. So if you haven't figured it out and the name is go coach, it has to do with coaching. But when people say, what is go coach? How do you, how do you describe it to people? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's pretty um, simple, hence the name, but essentially we're a coach marketplace that upskills and reskills all employees, entry level to executive level and hard and soft skills. And so, you know, we're really bringing personalized learning uh, to everybody that's out there and understanding that there's so many different learning styles and, and coaching is a great, you know, way not only to, you know, 
be able to get that learning that you need, but to be able to get the reinforcement. Um, outside our coach marketplace, we also have a learning experience uh, platform that consists of you know trainings, micro learnings, and content that are there once again to help with the reinforcement of learning. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is, is that it, it's one thing like the, the learn something, but it's the next thing as to how you apply it. And, and that's often the breakdown with any type of, you know, learning and development um, and, and, you know, why there's, you know, a huge frustration, especially with college kids coming out of school and not being able to apply, you know, I mean, uh, their, their learning into the workforce. Um, and so, you know, the, the coaching brings not only that personalization and, and that agnostic feel based on learning styles and what you're look, looking to do, but it helps reinforce that behavior to make a change, which is so important because um, it, it's that change that takes time, you know, hence, you know, your question on, you know, what the feedback that we got or what we were coached on. And it, it's always going to be a work in progress. But when you have yeah. a champion and an ally that's there, um, that that's supporting you along the way and, and, you know, helping you uncover these blind spots, they help to, you know, unblock where you are and start to unlock your potential. And, and, and that's what we're really trying to do. Well, and, and coaching is not a new, it's not a new concept, but one of the things, and I said this in the beginning, this is a growing, this is a growing category in the market. And I yeah. think historically coaching was reserved for a very small percentage of the population. I mean, it was a very small percentage of the population that had access to coaching. And it seems to me like part of what's happening is there's a bit of democratization around access to this kind of stuff. So in the coaching category, I'm curious about this though. You talk about the coaching marketplace piece is because I've seen coaching platforms that are totally async, right? It's a hundred percent digital. You're dealing with a, a chat bot or some sort of AI. Then I've seen on the other end, you're actually dealing with a live person. You're interacting with a true real coach not true, you know, a real coach. Where, where do you sit on that spectrum? Yeah. Um, well, like AI and algorithms are great to, for efficiency, um, yep. but they're not great for actual learning. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> we, we have all that technology to make it easy. Like, you know what I mean? We are virtual, we are, you know, digital learning, um, but but there is a human behind, you know what I mean? What's going on, how people are being upskilled. Um, and what's most important too, that we do, especially within a lot of these, you know, other coach marketplaces that are out there is that we didn't over tech it. Like there is a lot of technology um, that that's applied behind the scenes. Like, you know what I mean? To help people make, um, you know, the decisions that they need to make when it comes to, you know, picking a coach and, you know, understanding what their learning path is and why. But it's very important to meet the user, meet the learner where they're at. And so, you know, even with all that technology, every, you know, learner gets to be able to pick their coach and, and to pick their path. You know I mean? Like there, there's recommendations and whatnot, but, you know, especially what we're finding, especially with the younger generations, is that I can have all the AI in the world, but guess what? They're still unfiltering everything and they want to see everybody that's on the platform. And I think that that's very important because we do show our coaches um, and, you know, which is just normal to begin with, because it shows the diversity of us and the diversity of learning. Um, and, and, it, you know, and so it's not just about pleasing the stakeholder, which is an HR. It's really about you know, understanding the learner and where they're at. And, and we have been yeah. very cognizant of that from the beginning. Okay. So for the coach marketplace, then is it, I'm picturing almost an Amazon of coaches in some regards where you're going in and you're saying, this is, what does that process, what does that process look like? If you're an end user and, you're, and you have Go Coach, 
how are they then selecting, identifying? I mean, is it kind mm -hmm. of like that? I mean, walk me through it. Yeah. So every learner will come in and, you know, begin with, with an assessment to understand where they currently are, um, not just within their career development, but where are they with their overall wellness? Where are they with their, their financial health? Um, you know, where are they just in life? So we're, we're essentially getting that current state snapshot because a lot of times people think they need help on one thing, which they probably do, but yeah. you have to go back to get help on other things in order to, you know, get to that thing. Um, yep. So we're able to take that current state snapshot and that current state snapshot essentially pulls all the data together to really start to position, you know, the coaches and then, you know, the stuff on the learning experience platform, you know, that, that they could do on their own with the trainings and the micro learnings to really, you know, get a good starting point. And, and that's important because it's, you know, when, when we're really identifying the current state, that helps build a bridge to the future state, which is where do you want to be, you know, I mean, a year from now or two years from now. Um, and, and so we're, we're very, um, you know, very heavy in the data and analytics, but we're, we're also making sure that it's a guided journey. You know, what I mean, where, where they have the ability to say, nope, even though that this data is telling me this, I feel I need to do X, Y, and Z. And, and they have they they have the ability to do that. And so with the blended and the guided learning, it not only you know captures that current state, but it's also giving them the ability for them to essentially make the choices at the end of the day. Okay. Well, you hit on the one part, which was going to be one of my follow-up questions, which is from a, what should I even be getting coaching on? A lot of times people may not know, or they may think they know, but it's not really what they need, or they don't understand the underpinnings because maybe this is the thing you really need coaching on. But to get there, like you said, you need to work on these things first yep. to be able to do that. So this is actually then walking people through a process and guiding them to say, Hey, based on these things, these are the types of things that we think. And then is it narrowing it down and then saying, and these are the coaches that can help focus in that area. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. The more data that we get, the more that we're able to narrow down on the coaches and then, you know, some of the virtual content and trainings, you know, to be able to put together, you know, what that overall learning, you know, package and, and curriculum is going to be for them. Um, so just like, you know, case in point, you know, I'll, I'll use one of our first, you know, customers um, and, you know, first, you know, manager to go through the program a couple of years ago. She, you know, struggled with communications um, yeah. and, you know, she was in a growing startup um, and, uh, you know, uh, running product management and, you know, still a little bit green. But, you know, because she consistently got feedback that her communications, you know, were, were never clear or, you know, that, that, you know, she was always all over the place and that, that things were ambiguous. She automatically assumed that like, all right, I need a communication, you know, coach, et cetera. Okay. That was the assumption coming in. <laughs> right. So with the data though, with, with, you know, with the assessment, with the data, it was automatically able to peel back the layers of the onion. And what it was is more of an executive precedence, confidence, and the fact that she still had a lot of gaps within product management. So her, she was having struggles communicating certain things because she didn't feel confident what she was doing because there was gaps within her area, her specialty area. And the fact that, you know, she had never been at this high level before and was actually speaking in front of a board for the first time. So they're all different components of communication, but now yeah. we're able to pull well, it back. 
It's an important point because you see some of these things and a lot of times, and I think this is to me, you, you look at coaching and coaching is in many ways, the ultimate in personalization because you right. have another person that's getting to know you on a personal level and, and asking those questions, helping you come to those things, especially on big topics like communication. Communication is so huge right. that saying, well, I need coaching on communicate. Well, what, what area, what kind, like right. what facet of that do you need to develop? Because maybe you are fine with communication, but it, like in your example, maybe you need to know more about the product and build mm -hmm. some confidence in having these conversations with this different level or realize they're just people too, you know, so that interesting. So yeah. with that, okay. So I think I understand the workflow piece in terms of, so you're doing some of this stuff, but one of the things you mentioned was that a user could potentially say, I get, this is what you're recommending on this. I don't necessarily want to follow that path. The question I have with that, and this is something I'm interested in how other orgs are dealing with this. Cause I see in, in the seat I sit a lot of times, you'll see two camps. You'll see the camp that says, no, we want to tell people what they need. <laughs> we want to tell people what they need to develop in. And we're not really interested in whether they agree with it or not. We're going to try and push them in that direction. And other orgs are much more on the, hey, let's give people some flexibility. I think there's room for balancing that well. But I'm curious, how. what's been the response or how have you navigated some of those? Because I have to imagine there's been times where people have said, we don't necessarily just want people to have free reign to choose what they want to get coaching on. How do you navigate that? Yeah. So from a, I'll talk to it from a system perspective, how we balance it, and then I'll give my two cents on it for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> it's so, a good one. We'll do it both ways. Yeah. Um, so we balance it because uh, we do goal tracking and assessment. Everybody that's coming in essentially, you know, is attached to, you know, some type of goal where they're looking for help for improvement, you know, filling in those gaps and whatnot. And so, you know, we, even if it's outside the track of what, you know, the, the manager is saying, if there is a connection with the goal alignment, which is very important and another important part of our initial assessment coming in, then, you know, we're able to tie that together where it's at least having a starting point. Because like we have seen a lot of um, managers make recommendations on something and some of the recommendations are not solid based on their own bias. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I was called aggressive for 20 years. I get that I'm assertive. Quit calling me aggressive. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a whole learning evolution that we have to go through. And the minute that you start to force somebody um, in, in a direction, you, you go into like one or two camps. And do they have a growth mindset or do they have a fixed mindset, right? And so if somebody's coming into the platform and they want to be able to learn and grow, and it just may not be with, you know, what you're specifically looking for now, but they have that agility and ability to learn and grow, that's a growth mindset. And so anything is possible and that's a good place to be. But when a manager or even when a, a learner, a coach, she is in a fixed mindset, it doesn't matter what you throw at them. They're, they don't care that they, they, they do not want to go beyond what they know. Like, you know what I mean? And, and so, that it's very important and the data and analytics show that too, because like, even if they don't you think can see it, you can tell when somebody has been forced into this and it's like, they were told they have to do this. They don't really want to be here, but they're doing it because they have to mm -hmm. versus this person's doing it for their own personal growth and development. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the majority of the time it, it, it's, you know, the, the growth mindset, like, you know what I mean? Right. And in fact, like, you know, when we've had, um, you know, clients come in or, you know, soon to be new customers come in and, you know, they start off the call. Well, like, you know, I mean, this guy that we work with, like, you know, I mean, like if he, if he doesn't make these changes, then he's going to be fired. And, you know, that's when I stop the sales call. I'm like, just do yourself a favor right now and fire them. Like if you've already made the decision, like, you know what I mean? And, and you know, save your, it, save your money. <laughs> yeah. Coaching, coaching and learning is not about saving someone. Coach, coaching and learning is about growing someone. Yeah. That's well, and it's, it's an interesting point because you do see this, you do see this. And I, I guess I'm, I'll go here with it next because sometimes people hear coaching and have a bit of a visceral response because it feels very like, oh, that's what, you, that's what you get when you're in trouble or you, you're, you're doing something bad. It has a very negative connotation, like, oh, I'm being coached because I'm not. And again, that's a little bit of a flip of the switch to say, no, well, not necessarily. Coaching is really designed for your betterment, your enablement, your ability to grow in these areas. Yeah, we all have vulnerabilities. We all have areas of development. Nobody, nobody's cracked the code and they, they've mastered everything. But I, I yeah, I, I have to imagine you run into that times where you say, this, this isn't a co this isn't the right place to apply coaching to a, to a problem. So where yeah. do, where do customers typically implement something like, is this, and I actually, this gets to my next question, which is, do you see this? Is this something that people are doing on, on large scale? Are they doing this on large scale? Are they doing this on a smaller scale and saying we have this, this, specific population how are people typically doing it yeah i mean we have um i want to say three different type of customers um and okay. we have customer number one which is extremely progressive and where they have already applied what's called a learning wallet to every um employee where that they get a stipend every single year to say hey here's money go out and further develop yourself um, and, and I actually do think that the market is going to continue to go this way. Um, you know what I mean? Because you, you got to have that learner opt-in, which I think is very important in order to get that true ROI. And so in cases of those companies, they give it to the entire company. So we work with uh, a lot of companies where it's every single employee has the ability to opt-in to go coach and get their coach and their learning and development stipend covers it. And, you know, we see a lot of great success and be quite candid. They don't, it, for all the data and analytics that we have, they don't even care about the data and analytics. They care about the fact that their employees are using this and that they can see the difference um, and, and, and they're retaining people. So that that's, you know, um, I want to say, you know, one customer profile. The I'm second gonna, well, I'm going to stop you on that one. Again, yeah. this is the style. This is the style of the show. We've got the two other customer types, but yeah. to me, that's a really important one to highlight mm -hmm. for people watching this. That, that not only addresses a couple things, but one of the biggest things with it that I think a lot of times our organizations struggle with is the fact that every employee, every person has their own unique one development needs, but their own preferences and the things that they want. And where I see things go south so often is where we try and do this one size fits all, where we say, yeah. you know what, um, let's get this one thing and let's just blanket the organization in it and hope that it works. And the reality is it ends up costing a lot of money. You have a lot of lack of engagement and it's not necessarily the best way to do it. And to your point, some of these more progressive organizations that are saying, Hey, who are we to say, here's what development looks like for all of you. So guess what? 
either take it or leave it, but that's all you get because that's all we've decided to do versus saying development is important to us, but we recognize you have unique development needs and preferences. So let's stipend it this way so that our goal is for you to develop. Our goal isn't to force you to develop the way we think you need to develop. Now that's a fundamental shift in organizational yeah. thinking. But I can imagine, like you said, these are your forward-thinking organizations. Those ones yeah. that are thinking that way, I have to imagine, like you said, they don't even care. <laughs> they don't they even care less. about the investment necessarily. Chris is like, this is what we've been going for all along is to build this culture of development where people are developing, they're growing, they're they have this growth mindset, and we're facilitating that. So I think it is, it's it's worth noting and going into versus. You know, because I think a lot of people are struggling with this because they're still trying to make it work mm -hmm. for everybody, and it just doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, and believe me, as a you know former HR executive for twenty years, you know, getting countlessly grilled, like you know, what I mean, in board meetings and executive meetings, like I gave you a hundred thousand dollars, and like you know, what I mean, thirty people left the organization. Like you know, what did this training do? Like you know, and we still have all these problems, and it's just like. Well, first off, learning's not one and done. It's evolving. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, I mean, like we have a, a starting point, but that that's often the issue is that like that starting point is hard to get further because we are doing a one size fits all. Like when you're looking at annualized, you know, personal wallets where people can go out, you know, what I mean, you know, to, you know, different places and, and, and look at the things that they want to be able to learn and evolve in. And, and there's a personal choice attached to it you're going to see much greater ROI. Oh, um, well, engagement is going to go up naturally yeah. because you have a say in, I wanted to do this. This is right. something I saw value in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyone that thinks people, anyone that still is in the mindset that you're just going to force somebody to do something, like, good luck with all that. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, we, we were never attuned that way to begin with. And if the last no. four years have showed anything, we're definitely not attuned with that moving forward. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're adults, like, you know what I mean? And, and it, it, it's you even just look at it like in a much more higher level, like higher education right now in K-12 is failing. Why? Because it's a one size fits all model that's not working for virtual learning right now. The problem is yeah. it's not virtual learning. The model's always been broken. <laughs> so, you know, well, that's like, just it. But virtual's getting the right, it's taking the blame. It's like, well, see, virtual doesn't work. It's like, no, we're we're trying to apply a broken system into yeah. a different category that it was never designed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. You know, that was one customer type, right? That was one customer yeah. type. To me, that's like the ideal state where it's like, great, you got the stipend, you're already there in the way you're thinking. People are going to do this. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to engage in those that choose coaching as which I don't know who wouldn't, honestly. No, <laughs> right? like, to mean, me, that's like if you got a stipend, you have the opportunity to say, Hey, I can get a coach to help me grow in these areas that I need help. That yeah. to me is ideal. But okay, what are the other two? <laughs> yeah, so the other two is what I'll call traditional. Um, you know, okay. they're a, a mid-market or enterprise that start with, you know, uh, middle managers or, you know, new employees or, you know, new execs or, you know, their high potentials. Like they, they do these groups and, you know, I mean, and they put them, you know, groups of 20, you know, for the year through the process and then they'll pick okay. another, okay. you know, group of 20. And that's like great. Right yeah, it's like a cohort. cohort, whatever. Yep, got yeah. it. And which is fine, you know, it works well. And, you know, they continue to get that, you know, learning evolution, um, you know, for, you know, the things that they want to develop. But 
I also just think it, it disenfranchises the people that don't get picked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Why am I not? It was like one of the hardest jobs, like, you know what I mean? As like an HR individual is that like, we would consistently try to box people in where they were at as far as their growth and their progression. We used to use, you know, and you probably use this for us, uh, a nine box, right? Um, and, you know, you're literally putting people in boxes. And the minute that you put people in a box, you're boxing out their potential. Right. And, 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 and that's your opinion, by the way, like, you know what I mean? And, and granted, there may be some data, like, you know what I mean? And evidence behind it, but you, when you put somebody in a box, it, I think it can be very limited. And so, you know, while the traditional buyer, I understand what we're doing, that, 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 that has been the norm within organizations for a little bit. I, I, I challenge them to really go to the more progressive component and, and don't box your employees out, let them choose their path. Um, so that's number two. Any questions on the traditional? No, it's well, it's, that questions, but I think it is to me, I see where that category comes in. And you still see this happen a lot where yeah. you do have these, the the special, the special group of people that, you know, have this. And again, it's, it's, I see where it comes in and, and can there be value when done right? I think there's, there's opportunities where you can do it. But again, like you said, it, it, runs the risk of isolating the rest of your population. There's inherently bias in the process in terms of, well, how are we putting people into these categories? Now you're giving an upper advantage, right? There's a, there's a lot of things. So I see really, you know, but the mindset shift that has to happen is, and this is sometimes really hard for people to let go of, letting go of that control and saying, our employees are the best people and we trust them to decide what their gaps are. So Again, I think, you know, are they going away? Probably not. But I think there's definitely opportunity to say, well, we can do that and then expand out into a, a broader category. Okay. Yeah. So it's not even just a control thing. I mean, like how True. many jerks and nine box did you see? You know what I mean? That that jerks in a high potential category. It's it's not just a control thing, it's a protection component. And it's yeah. one of the reasons that we have is such not only systematic racism, but systematic bias throughout everything. Every single process and theory that we have put in place continues to benefit the people that it's always benefited. Like, you know what I mean? And like, you know, like when people like laugh, it's like, oh, coaching's for executives. And it's like, you know what? Nine out of 10 times executives are the last people that need coaching. Start to work on the people who still have like that growth mindset that want to learn and evolve. And, and you start to breed a, a new group of people that, that have that open mind, you know what I mean? And don't get stuck, you know what I mean? In these, you know, terrible habits and, you know, that eventually, you know, takes over, you know, their identity and who they are. And that's what always well, I think me. that's why I was so excited as democratization of coaching started expanding yeah. because again, this is the kind of stuff that's instead of the divide growing further, which is the people who are on this end just keep going further out because they they have executive coaches that are dry, they have all these access to resources. Now you can actually reach and, and actually start to close that gap. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think we're getting there, but like once again, like it's why when we built GoCoach, we knew we were going to be applying a lot of technology, but technology wasn't going to rule the day because the minute that we let it rule the day, it's just going to continue to put you back in the systems that we're trying to break right now, right? And, and that's why having 
that agnostic, you know, user feel of, you know, being able to go to a place like, you know, I mean, that's safe and supportive and, you know, have options and, and be able to help, you know, bring your own path, you know, that's still tied to goals. It's like, it's once again, like anybody can get to a goal. It's how you did it that matters. Yes. And, and, and that, that's what needs to be evaluated, not the actual goal. <laughs> Well, and and going back to mindset shifts, that is a that is a different way of thinking about this stuff. Is saying, what are we going back to your point of what was something that you were you you kind of through your coaching journey realized was well, pick your bet. What what are the things you're focusing on? Are you focused mm-hmm. more on the way people are going through their development pathway and what choices they're making and which ways, or do you really care about are they getting where we need them to be? And right. if we're if they're getting where they need we need them to be. Who cares what pathway they took? Let's just enable the pathways and then sit back and say, we'll help you get there. But what we care about is that you get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting away from that micromanagement, you know, thing. And a lot of times, like, you know, I mean, control is easier for us rather than, you know, learning and identifying and, you know, getting to know someone like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, e- it's easier to abuse the hell out of a policy than it is out of a person, right? But it eventually abuses the person. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I, I was talking about this on a panel the other day, and you know, sometimes we're pretty hard. I think we're pretty hard on ourselves, and for good reason. We should be. There are lots of things that we can continue to look at and go, why were we doing this anyway? But as you look back to things, this is to me why I get so excited about technology is the fact that personalization and getting to know people on a personal level is it was and and still it's much more time consuming and so we put people in boxes we make assumptions because it's easier especially as your organization grows and you have lots of people and you're trying to do this across cross country lines and things like that and so i think historically we just said well I don't really know how else we can do this. So let's try and do our best. And I do think a lot of people were trying to do their best and say, well, let's design something we think will work for the masses and let's let's put it out there. The thing is, is technology is eradicating all of those limitations now. Yeah. We have data. We know what's going on. We have the capability to reach people on a personal level. There are different platforms and technologies that now give us better visibility, that give better access to things. So the excuse of, well, we just, we can't personalize. We just don't have the time resources. Well, it's no longer an excuse. It's literally no longer an excuse. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that, you know, I created this, like, you know, one, if I stayed in HR, especially by the way, all the HR people that are out there, uh, God bless you. Like you're doing a fantastic job with this, you know, year. Because uh, I know if I was in HR right now, I would probably be, you know, in a jail cell uh, from, uh, you know, all the different <laughs> pressures, you know, because I, I mean, it, but it was one of those things like, you know, the, the reason I make that statement is that, you know, our job was always hard enough. And, and I was really frustrated, um, you know, I mean, leading large organizations and not being able to find something that had mean, meaningful value to the employees and to the organization. And, and, and that's where it drove me nuts. I ripped out more systems than I actually put in just so we can get to those constant conversations rather than having some stupid form that takes somebody two hours to write. And er- we wonder why everybody hates performance management. They, they hate performance management because of the system behind it, not the actual, like, you know, I mean, delivery component. And so easy is not always effective and efficient. 
And, but you know what I mean? But with technology now, when used the right way, we can make things easy and efficient and effective. And, and that's where we have the ability to do so to your point. Yeah. Well, and that's just it is now it's less of a this or this, and it's a this and this. And I think yeah. that's the exciting part about this. But again, this is where, and it's why I started this show. In order to get there, you have to understand this stuff. You have to understand these capabilities. You have to know they exist so that you can start challenging the status quo of what you know today, which is, well, this is what we have to do because this is all you can. And it's like, no, it's not. Not anymore, right. it's not. That might have been true five, 10 years ago. Today, it's not. Okay, yeah. so the third category, right? We went on a, we went on a bender there, but let's do yeah. the third category. <laughs> Who's yeah. your third category? Uh, third category is what I like to call Neo, uh, you know, from the Matrix. Neo. Because they're large enterprise companies uh, that are completely ma matrixed. <laughs> and there's so many different fiefdoms. <laughs> you don't even know right. where to start. Um, there's no consistency. Some are centralized. Some are decentralized. It's a, it's a hot mess, right? And yep. so within that. I'm familiar with those organizations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, the good news is, is that we we built the platform to, you know, regardless of what, you know, highly matrixed, you know, neo world that you live in, um, you, you can have multiple buyers that come in from, you know, multiple different divisions okay. um, that can do the learning and development stipends and can do the blended learning or can just do, you know, the traditional training and development. So we have built a very, you know, uh, flexible um, and programmatic, you know, platform that really, you know, gives you that not one size fits all, but everybody fits all type of model. Um, okay. You know, knowing that there's going to continue to be, you know, shifts and transformations, you know, within L&D, you know, especially for the next three to five years. And so within that, we make it easy so each stakeholder can still have visibility into, you know, one part of one company and, you know, while somebody's looking at another part of the company. And, and but everybody that comes in, they get the same service irregardless of how their division is handling things, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, it does, because you've got the different use cases. So use case one is kind of your progressive centralized organization where you have central control of this. You can mm -hmm. do you know, budget management, stipend management, all this through a central function, which is great if you have that setup. If that if you have mm -hmm. that setup, kudos. It's it's awesome. Really, if you look at category two and category three, they they really address the similar use cases, though, which is it's not it's not a central one size, not one size fits all. Because you said it's not that, but it's like you can't centrally govern all of this. So you may have right. these either cohorts or pockets or you have these functions or fragments where they say we want to do this for our division, things like that, which in large matrix global organizations. Yeah, trying to target a central there there is no central person. Yeah. There's not a person you can go to and say, we're gonna do that. But if I'm understanding you correctly, in those environments, you're then connecting those dots on behalf of that organization so that there is still visibility into, hey, where is this being done? How is it being used? Yeah. Because I have to imagine there's a ton of data, of valuable data to an organization to see, hey, what is our talent doing? Where are they developing? What are the yeah. things? How well is it working? And so to have that locked in the silo of, well, only this functional leader knows this, that's a that's a disservice. Yeah, but we, we bring it all together. Like, you know, what I mean, and that's a great part, um, uh, you know, because I remember like when I was at Pearson um, and, you know, working um, for my CHRO um, at the time and, you know, like, you know, 
everybody was sending her a different format of, you know, what the learning outcomes were. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can imagine yeah. like, you know what I mean? How many like, you know, pivot tables and ugly graphs she got with that. And, you know, she couldn't see that and nor, nor could she see it. She had a very time, hard time articulating that to, you know, senior leadership and the CEO. So knowing that I've gotten caught, like, you know what I mean? In this, uh, you know, Neo world numerous times, I was just like, you know, I mean, if we have one side of GE that comes in and another side of GE, but like somebody figures out that we're both in two divisions, we could all bring it together and show like the progress throughout the entire thing. Well, it's it's such an important piece because the reality is having navigated this multiple times, it is when you don't have that visibility, it is very hard to tell a story in terms of, of impact, value, things like that to be able to scale it because you're you're on your own island and then it gets lost and people don't realize how much spend is happening, the lack of utilization or positive utilization to be able to say, hey, this is working really well. Why don't we stop doing this thing that is contributing absolutely nothing, but we're spending a lot of money on it. And let's shift gears and say, why don't we do this over here that's working really well and scale it and, and get yeah. the same value that we did. But the only way that happens is to have that visibility. So yeah okay extremely yeah. helpful so i want to go into another area because you talked you so you've got the coaching marketplace which I, I think makes sense in terms of like i said i'll use the we, our industry loves analogies right the the amazon of although it's better than amazon because instead of just going to amazon and being like hey look i want one of those and those and those and those it's hey let's let's do some assessment on the front end let's see what you actually need Maybe Amazon should steal your model because that would be great if you could go to Amazon and say, what do you need in your, anyway, sorry. So yeah. there's that, but you also talked about the fact that there is this LXP, which I, I get very nervous when that term gets thrown around because that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I do want to decrypt what you mean by that because there is a learning content component. Now, is that bundled automatically is that a separate component how is that how is that connected to go coach or is it all is it an all-in-one uh it, it all depends once again on the company's needs we, we try to be programmatic and so for the, the neo world like you know what i mean they like that bundle because they, they have right. mass amounts of people um and to be able to have like access to a lot of these virtual learnings you know micro learnings content video um etc is, is a good starting point because you want everybody to essentially have like the same toolkit at the end of the day. And so like, you know I mean? Leading with one of these bundles and then going into the coaching for reinforcement to get that, you know, behavior change. Um, we see for a lot of the larger clients. Um, and so, you know, we have it there because once again, we don't want to box people out based on their learning style. There's some people that don't want to be coached and I get that. And, and they actually like, you know what I mean? Learn much better by, you know, going through a video or reading something. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm not just looking at this from a buyer perspective, I'm looking at it from a learner perspective and making sure that we're not, we don't become some monolithic, you know, giant that only helps like, you know what I mean? A quarter of the population, like, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that we have that agnostic view. Okay. Well, and Venus had act, asked earlier about this in terms of, you know, applying human-centered design into the process. And I think just in general, what we talked about earlier on, you know, thinking about, hey, if you do a stipend model, you're already being more human-centered in your design because you're saying, yeah. well, let's put the person at the center and say, what do you really need? But I think your point about the, the learning content side of it is that's also being more human-centered for the org to say, well, what do you, what do you need based on where you are and what do your employees need? Maybe they do need content. 
I think yeah. from a learning preference standpoint, you know, I uh, personally, we all learn through experience and practice. And I think that's the thing that I think how you structure that pathway is, is really important. And again, some people, like you said, they may want that additional coaching. Some would rather be kind of on their own island and things like that. I personally, I think coaching enhances anything you're doing, whether you like it or not. To me, I think where you see people that resist the coaching is really a lack of understanding or a perception of what it is that, oh, this is a bad thing. I'm going to have somebody tell me, I'm going to therapy, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, I can see that. So with that though, yeah. for, for people on this, so it's almost in some regards for organizations that may not have, I have to imagine this content then is aligned to specific skills that you have focused your coaching around that you say, Hey, we know we coach to these things. These are the topics that we coach to most frequently. So you've started creating digital content to supplement that, that then can be added on if it's, if an organization says, well, we don't really have any of that right now, or what we have isn't really that useful. And we want to align the two. That's then where people are blending the coaching marketplace with the learning platform. Correct. Yeah. And it's also for reinforcement too, because like, you know, a lot of stuff takes time. Like it takes people yeah. five to seven times just to hear something never mind actually do something. So that, that, that's a lot, but you know, let's pick on digital transformation because literally every company is going through a digital transformation. Right. Um, so, so, so let's unpack all that. And, and within a digital transformation, it just isn't, you know, moving the company from A to B and jobs changing and people changing and, you know, how the organization is going to operate that's changing. It's a whole change management practice. And so, you know, I used to get like, you know, laughed at, you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, going through digital transformations and I brought in, you know, change management training practices. And I'm like, this is all fluffy. I'm like, no, it's not. This is actually a pragmatic, like, you know, project plan for people to go through every single different stage of the organization to be able to transition from, you know, A to B. And so like, you know, if somebody is being coached and, you know, one of the biggest things that they're getting coached on is that change management, which by the way, is number one of all the things that we coach on. When we look at all of our data analytics, it's change management, communication, and, you know, situational leadership. Those are the top three things that people, you know I mean, are using within the marketplace. Yeah. So change management is huge. Anyone who says it's fluff, look at the data. <laughs> you've, got, you've got actual data to back it up. Yeah, actual data to back it up. It's a lot of use cases. So, but like, you know, you hear these change management concepts for the first time and it, it makes you uncomfortable because it does look fluffy. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? And then you start to apply it. And so like when you're getting coached on this, a lot of these content resources and libraries that we have helps reinforce what they heard, you know, because remember five to seven times just to hear it and then to actually take action. And, and that's very important as far as a learner journey too. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> um, so, sorry. <laughs> so I've got stuck in my throat. Uh, so, I mean, it does make sense though, right? Because no matter what you look at, and this is one of the things that I think has actually been interesting to watch is that there was this kind of moving trend where I think we've we've hoped as an industry, as organizations, it's almost I compare it to the dieting or fitness industry. We're always looking for this thing like what's that one thing we can do one time and magically everybody just changes and it doesn't work that way. That's not the way people grow and develop. They don't. They don't watch a micro learning video and suddenly they're a master communicator because, well, I watched this TED talk or I watched this really insightful thing. They do it by watching 
multiple things or experiencing multiple things, getting coaching on how to do that well, practicing it, getting feedback on that. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, we, we continue to battle that back. And I think this is an interesting point of you're, you're approaching this from a holistic standpoint of, yeah, we have some content, we have some digital content designed to augment and supplement this. The coaching is then designed to do this. So for people who are thinking about this or looking at this, it's not so much in an ideal state, you tell me, but in an ideal state, you're combining the two of these along with probably some other things as well that the coach is then coaching too. You're going and doing, if you're getting coached on executive presentations or executive delivery, hopefully you're going out and giving some of these and then coming back and engaging with the coach and talking about what happened while consuming yeah. some content along the way. Yeah. No, and, and not only that, the coach needs it. Coach is not an expert of everything either. Like we have made it a, a part of our mission is that we got to be constantly upskilling our coaches. And so like, you know, we have a lot of this content there for them also, you know, I mean, as they further evolve and, and, and learn, you know, within their own right growth mindset, which I think is important. So everything that we have built and everything that we have put together is learning all the way through. We are not a check the box type of organization. I, I have dealt, I have checked many boxes in my life. And you know what has happened? Uh, all of them ended up being unchecked again the next year. And that was annoying as hell to be able to do the same damn goal year over year and, and not even be able to move an inch. So we are not, not a check the box organization. And we did not build Go Coach to be a check the box organization. We, we built it to be evergreen, you know what I mean? Constantly flowing, you know what I mean? With information, with tools and, and with learning to be able to meet people where they're at. And once we understand where people are at, we can be able to start to fill in, you know, where they want to be able to go and build that bridge. Okay. So one thing I want to go into, cause I am curious on this one, and this goes back to some of the hesitations I think people may have with coaching sometimes. One, the connotation of, well, you get coached when you're doing something wrong, right? It's a negative thing, which it's not, or it shouldn't be. But the other one is, how are organizations tackling this with, and, and I see this a lot, I see a lot of opportunity for organizations to build trust with their employees because there can be some skepticism around, you know, the, the coach coachy relationship has, has long been very, you know, private. And now with the democratization of this, I can see there being some concerns, at least on the employee side. Well, now, right, this is part of a, a company marketplace you're are you getting all this data on what i'm being coached on how it's going how are organizations managing that so that it still feels like a sacred thing while at the same time organizations they do need to know some of this stuff to be able to know how it's working yeah it's a great question i mean what what the data con consistently shows and you know what we tell every stakeholder and every learner is, is themes it has to be themes, like, you know what I mean? Because like everybody's gonna have different outcomes as far as like how their learning is progressing, how they did it and where they're going. But, you know, the, those data themes, you know what I mean, you know, are, are very important because it also shows where the organization is at when it comes to culture, when it comes to engagement. So once again, we're not gonna be able to do everything, like, you know what I mean, in one year, it's picking and choosing your battles. And so those data themes are, you know, build the integrity, you know, for the direction for what needs to happen the next year, for the direction that needs to happen, you know, the year after that, which is very important. Um, you know, data can't be abused. And so, you know, we're a safe and supportive place because like whatever happens between the coach and the coachee, that's sacred. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? We have assessments that come across the way, you know what I mean? Where people provide feedback, 
But once again, the only feedback that's shared are data themes, like, you know what I mean? Not individual, like, you know what I mean? Things that, that are important. Um, and, and that's really important. Talked about this and this is what they said. Yeah. And, and this is yeah. what was shared. That's not, that's yeah. not the coaching no, that's not a coach. And, and anyone who does that or, or even thinks that they can get that in there, like, you know, like we've had clients that come in, you know, our potential clients that come in that want to see that granular data. I'm like, no. And, and not only that, they, they want to see, they want to pick the coaches for their employees. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a great relationship. So not only are you going to tell the employee that they need to be coached, but you're going to pick the coach. I was just like, have you considered coaching for yourself? Believe me, I lost a lot of clients with, you know, my pull in a china shop uh, type of mentality. But no, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to compromise, you know, why we built this. Like, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I mean, instead we built something for people to get comfortable with the yeah, uncomfortable. And, and it's that control component of letting go of, you know, of, I mean, and we're seeing it right now, especially like, you know, I mean, in this digital age, like we during uh, for our audience out there we um in q2 we, we gave our product away for free for everybody and you know we've helped thousands of individuals out there which was great but like you know i mean we, we got a lot of feedback coming in like you know i mean in these trainings and in these yeah. coaching sessions that was important and you know where we started seeing tools like zoom and slack being used for micromanagement where like you know people had a response to a slack message within three minutes they had to you know always be on video on zoom and, you know, they had to respond, you know, to like, you know, I mean, like some other message, like within an hour. Again, we're micromanaging people. The digital, like us being remote is not the issue. We are the issue. The same problems are there. <laughs> we're just manipulating them for the environment. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like yeah. we've said, like, you know, I mean, consistently in these trainings, like, you know, I mean, like it, this goes back to manager, you know, core competencies. This, this goes back to like, you know, soft skill training, like, you know, where emotional yep. intelligence change parents are important. Yep. Well, it's, it's a really important piece. And I think this is something I've been advocating for, you know, since I've been in learning tech, which is, I don't know, as long as I've been in my career, but is the fact that there is a data ethics and compliance side of this that we have to take into account for this because yeah. it is very important as you're looking at some of these digital solutions to be asking those questions and asking, what are you doing with this data? And yeah, the tendency might be to say, man, wouldn't it be great if we could have all this data on our people? Uh, no, actually, no, I don't think it would be great. Is it good for yeah. you to have some trends and insights and things? Sure. That can be very helpful in understanding where you need to go, but should you be, you know, diving in and, and digging into every single thing that's happening? No, I don't think so at all. And in fact, I think that's one of the things that, as I've been talking to a lot of people recently about this, is we're, we're as we're moving into this more digital trend where everything's digital and that, all that data is being captured somewhere, is what's being done with it? How is it being governed? And how are we making sure that ethically we're managing that well? Because we run the risk of creating something we we didn't intend or creating more damage with something that maybe we thought was designed to be a good thing that then goes south because we we abuse the data so i th i think yeah. it's good to hear and that's why i wanted to go to that point of making sure that it's clear that this is that's not what's happening with this at least with with go coach for sure no absolutely not i mean believe me i, I looked at the failures of you know people like zuckerberg and others and we we were not becoming that whole of <laughs> ignorance um you know we built this with integrity um and you know it, it we, we we consistently 
safe and supportive is what the environment produces and we will never negate that the other thing too you know that i'll say to a lot of the people out there is that like i i can't tell you throughout my you know hr career how i thought i was doing something great and then the data was used against people so like to give an example i um gave like all the um uh sales individuals like you know i mean discs like you know i mean like as like to understand people's you know right which is great right until once again it was getting manipulated and, and they stopped hiring salespeople that were falling within an S, you know, or a C because they weren't aggressive enough. I'm like, no, the point of the disc wasn't to use the data against people. It was to show where people at so you know, know how to communicate with them. Like I know. It's well and and I and that's where uh, you know, when I'm working with people or even just within my own teams and we're talking about this, it's always the how could this be used? How could this be used? wrong like let's make sure we think about those things let's not assume it's always going to be used right because then that way we can think about how can we safeguard that how can we protect this things like that so the one last question that one last question that just came through i am curious and you did mention earlier on um but venus asked this one so in terms of people who are doing this stuff how even though they may not necessarily have a clear ROI to okay, well now we've seen EPS. How typically are people then connecting this back and saying, "All right, we we did this and we're seeing this benefit." What are some of those measures that they're using to explain that or tell that story? Retention. It's all about retention. retention. It, it, like people talk about career advancement. Um, people talk about promotion. People talk about career lattices. You know, people talk about pay equity it all boils down to retention. It, it, if you can upskill and retain somebody like you naming, you're saving the, the company tons of money, plus you're evolving the, you know, the, the individual, um, which is a win-win. And this is so important right now because like, you know, the economy isn't all that great right now. Like, and you know, but even when the economy was great, what we were doing to people wasn't, we were throwing people out left and right because they lacked certain skills and because they weren't perfect. Right. Do you know how many people and money that we lost in, in what was supposed to be like, you know, I mean, the best part of like, you know, what I mean, like the economy, we were throwing people away left and right. We've pissed away more money. Sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, it, it doesn't make sense. And it, it's ridiculous. You can't be doing this. You need to be investing in people. It's a fiduciary responsibility. It's a human responsibility. And, and as you're as you're able to see that retention and, and especially that engagement, like as to how people are doing. And if those are, you know, doing well, then you're on the right path. But it all ties back to that. Okay. Well, that is a, that is a great ending. And I think it is an important piece, you know, to highlight. Because the thing I like about retention as a metric on this is not only is it, right, that human metric where you're saying, hey, we retain people. They stayed. We're doing the right thing because they're here. They're engaged. They're, they're staying. But it's also easy to quantify from a financial standpoint oh, yeah. so that you can tell the story of, this actually is saving the company X number of dollars because we can actually tabulate that and quantify. And that's a message you can have in a conversation you can have with a CFO or a head of operations. And they go, that makes sense that we we've, you know, this justification makes perfect sense. So I like that that metric is a, is a healthy blend of the two. Well, this has been fantastic, Christy. I enjoyed the time together I hope everyone else enjoyed it as well. Lots of good comments coming in. Uh, and so thank you for the time. 
Thanks everybody for watching. Don't forget, I'm not here next week. I will be celebrating Thanksgiving with my family. Um, but uh, thank you all for watching and we will see you in two weeks. And thank you, Christy, for being here.